All right, welcome to the solution point where we talk about uh, solutions for your business, your life, and the law. And uh, to uh, greet you guys today, I have my co-host, Catalina Dickerson, my better half. Hi, everybody. And our guest today is Linda Vega, and she is a fantastic immigration attorney. Uh, she, one of the things I have to say about her, and it's one of the things that unfortunately most attorneys don't do is she returns your calls <laughs> and she does it quickly. So that's, that's one, one of the reasons why I think she's a great attorney, regardless of whatever practice area she may have, but she's an immigration attorney and she really knows her stuff. So Linda and the solution point, we talk about uh, different kinds of solutions. So why don't, why don't you share with us uh, a little bit about yourself and then tell us about the solutions that, that you wanna share. Oh, good. Well, thank you for having me on your great show. Um, my name is Linda Vega. I'm an immigration attorney based in Houston, Texas, although we practice nationally and internationally because immigration law is a federal law. So we're able to practice in all various states and help people with their immigration solutions and businesses with their immigration problems with their workers and even family members who might be looking at deportation or something like that. Uh, I've been practicing law since 1991. Um, that's a long time. <laughs> but um, I started out with finance in international law and I went one summer and volunteered on the border in Harlingen uh, for immigration law and I was hooked um, helping families and learning more about ways people can come into the United States and invest and uh, help the economy and their family find a better life. So I started working in immigration since then. So, and I've been in Houston since 1998. I meant to stay two years and here I am still in Houston. <laughs> But I'm a Texas. Where did you originally? Were you from? If if not from Houston, where originally? I grew up in the Valley, down by Mercedes and Harlingen, and so that's really my area. Uh, I went to school there. I went to UT undergrad, and then I went off to DC to study international financing, and I stayed there for a very long time, and eventually made it my made my way back to Texas. And um, once you you know you're a Texas girl, you just can't seem to leave. So. Definitely. And I, we've been here in, in Houston since then. So I own my, my own firm. Uh, we're think, looking to expand into Colorado in the next few months. So we'll have another base there. Uh, we get a lot of cases from there. So, Well, tell us about an immigration solution that, that you have. I know we get a lot of, a lot of our uh, clients, especially business clients, have, uh, and you and I have, have met with, with a lot of clients mm -hmm. that we have in common uh, on, on the different solutions. And there, there's a lot of confusion and, and misunderstanding of what, what can you do, what do you need to do to, to be able to, um, to, to, be, to, to be in the United States legally. Right. And um, if you look at immigration, like immigrant business immigration, like a big pyramid, on the top are investor visas that people can invest into the United States for a million dollars or sometimes less. So investor visas are the most coveted because they're like a monorail fast track to a green card. Um, 
usually companies coming from Europe or South America uh, like to invest in businesses. So they invest uh, a minimum of $100,000, let's say. So that's an investor visa. However, those investor visas, you have to have a treaty with the United States in order to qualify. If you don't have a treaty, the only option is uh, what's called an EB-5 or a million dollar plus investor. Countries like Venezuela and Vietnam and um, some other countries, they can only invest large amounts of money. People coming from Mexico, of course, there's various ways to invest uh, into the United States, one of them being the investor visa, minimum about 80 to 100,000. Um, then we have situations where the company in Mexico or South America or Europe might have their parent company and they want to create another company company in the United States. So we're able to transfer uh, workers to and from the companies uh, with much ease. So there's different ways investing and forming new companies where people can uh, obtain worker visas. That's one area. And this is a worker visa, not so, so much a, a track to citizenship, but we're talking about a track to just having a worker visa. Is that clear? Is, is that what I'm understanding? Well, certain investment visas become green cards or legal permanent residents. These particular ones, like the million dollar plus, that will turn into a green card. Okay. Uh, other smaller investments like the E2 investment, the investor visa, what's called uh, the E2 and E1 treaty visa, investor visa, those will never become green cards. So you have to change status to something else or create a company. Like I said, if you want to create a company in the United States and then have that company petition you and maybe look down the road to six years to getting a green card. Okay. So there's just so many, if you think of immigration, there's visas A to Z, A being diplomat, and then you just go down the road and it just depends on the type of visas. And it's a really complicated area of law because it changes with a memo and you've got to be on track with that. So it's, it, you know, it's mind boggling, but I guess it's a challenge that we immigration lawyers like. And, um, immigration has this dichotomy on one side you've got business on the other side you've got family in the middle there's litigation because both can go to litigation so we handle both and litigation so we're equipped to handle all of those things yeah. and you, you mentioned um kind of having you know being up to date on any updates you know kind mm -hmm. of having your ear to the ground i just curious what is your preferred method or how do you as 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 you linda vega as an immigration attorney i mean you don't have to give your secrets away right but <laughs> how, what's what are what are tactics or strategies you use to make sure that you're up to date are there particular you know news feeds that you're looking at are mm -hmm. you tapping into any you know do they send you directly the memo how does that work absolutely great question um i belong to what's called ala american immigration lawyers association and they are the most up-to-date organization um, with respect to changes, uh, going before Congress and asking for additional visas, how many visas are gonna get uh, distributed in October when Congress starts again. 
and we get our newsletter and we belong to the organization. So we go online and we look into what the latest news is. Plus, they also have the latest precedent of court cases that are decided. Um, during the administration with uh, President Obama, we had a lot of executive orders that we constantly had to keep up with. And they were always sending us emails with what was closed, what's not. Last year with the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, uh, Department of Homeland Security would send a lot of memos to uh, lawyers who are, were part of the uh, USCIS or Immigration Services protocol. There's a clear, there's a clear partnership, you know, and so that that's working. That's great to hear. Yeah. And uh, it's just, we just get inundated though. There are just some days that this, for example, right now, this court is closed in Seattle because they need to clean it because of COVID contamination. Here in Houston, it was our court here yesterday. And, and so we get these bulletins that let us know. And okay. right now for much of litigation, we're doing exactly how we're communicating. This is how we're holding courts now. Yeah. And it's impersonal and I don't know, ineffective sometimes depending on the case. So Linda, let me let me kind of bring bring the topic uh, to something that that is very uh, near to a lot of my clients. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, I, and I'm, I always screw up the numbers, uh, but I think it's a B2 visas for the truck drivers. Uh, the H2Bs. Okay. The H2Bs, uh, and they're like season. Those particular visas are seasonal visas. Okay. And they're good for 10 months out of the year. Uh, and those visas are usually for seasonal workers that were, who work in recreational parks, hotels, uh, trucking. And you can solicit one to 99 workers on one application. Okay. It's the I-129 application. And let's say the company, the trucking company, or the hotel needs um, 50 workers for 10 months. So we apply, we get the 50 workers, they come in inside the United States with their work visa, uh, work, and then at the 10 months they have to leave and reapply the following year. And so those are coveted visas and um, there are not a lot of them. So uh, a lot of these big companies get first dibs sometimes. Right, so we, we have a lot of clients who have the truckers that are Mexican truckers mm -hmm. and they're able to drive here. Uh, there's certain restrictions. Uh, uh, my understanding is they can only pick up a load in, in Mexico, deliver it. They can bring back from the same location, but they can't triangulate and pick up somewhere else. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, so those, how, how um, lengthy is the process to, to get those applications? Um, usually if we blanket them, and this is why I tell a lot of the clients, make sure that you have your workers, even if you think you might have 40, but really 30 apply for the maximum. Um, it's usually about six to seven months. Six to seven months to obtain the visa and get all the workings and and done. What we need from the applicants and from the company who's sponsoring them is name, date of birth, um, any recent or previous deportations, and criminal record, because we need to put that on the application. And ultimately, the 
the applicant's fingerprints right. will detail everything for us. So we ask them, please be honest with us because then we have to backtrack and make excuses on the application and it might be denied because we give false information. So, and pretty much I tell the uh, um, owners of the companies, give me this information and I'll tell you who qualifies based on our experience. That way we don't get the whole application disqualified and rejected. Right, and I guess that's that's the key. There is is getting getting the application uh, just right before it goes yes. in, and and having that experience of look, this is going to be a red flag, and if you know if if you want to be sure it's going to pass, we need to maybe take this person out because they've got this questionable issue in in their record. Right, and you know it used to be this is how when I was a baby lawyer, I would see all these lawyers getting what's called an RFE, request for evidence. And I would think, oh no, you don't wanna get one of those. And, and the more I learned and worked for these big law firms, they loved those because they could charge the clients more money for it. <laughs> but we hardly get any RFEs because I tell my clients, I'm really strict. I don't wanna do this again. I don't wanna answer questions. Mm -hmm. And um, so we hardly get any RFEs and I'm glad for that because it saves the, client time and money and it saves me time and money that I can do other things with, with other clients so and it makes it, it makes it seem like you're selling blinker fluid <laughs> yes. oh. <laughs> something like that yeah oh but okay. yeah no, no, no. We're, we're pretty strict on that and and uh one of the other things that I mentioned is a lot of families very um middle class and upper middle class families from all over the world want to send their children to study in the United States. And we tell them the best thing for them to do is um, apply for a visa. And in the last few years a visa, a student visa, F1 visa was very difficult to obtain because of the many changes. But there's something else called a vocational visa. It's an M visa. And right now, because we need so many medical workers, um, getting an M visa and vocational nursing uh, assistant school or um, um, x-ray technicians, we are very low in the United States and we uh, encourage students from other countries to come in and get a vocational medical degree that would allow them the same thing. Once they get their M visa studies um, finished, they can apply for an H-1B or a, a hospital can sponsor them. And so they're able to stay here longer and it works out great. Most people think they have to come with a regular F student visa, but there are other options that they can do. Right, and, well. and, I, and I, I was listening to the Wall Street Journal probably a month or so ago. Mm -hmm. uh, they were talking about how some of those uh, visas for students uh, may be in jeopardy mm -hmm. because it's, well, are we going to have in-person classes or not? And if Correct. we don't have in-person classes, why do you need to be in the country? Exactly. So I, I guess that also, you know, puts things up in the air for these these people who, who are wanting to go to school here, but don't know if classes right. are going to make in person. Exactly. And those are for students who are not studying STEM 
science, technology, engineering, and medicine. So for those students who are studying STEM, they still need to come to the United States and they have the best chance of not only going to school, but getting a uh, worker visa that leads to a green card. So it, it works out. You just have to strategize and coordinate it just right with respect to sometimes it's like playing chess. You right. gotta be two steps ahead. So right. I can imagine, I'm sorry, uh, but I can imagine these are details that you really need to kind of, you know, find out about. So when you, when you meet a client, mm-hmm. um, you know, how much, you know, do you have, I guess, like a, your strategy to get as much information as possible so that way you can develop your strategy for this person? Yeah, that's a great question. We have a two page intake sheet. Okay. And from that intake sheet, I, you know, I know a lot of lawyers have six, eight pages, but I've, you know, uh, lessened it to two pages. And I'll tell where, you what, why, why it helps you to have two pages, because if you give them six, they never will turn it in. Exactly. But <laughs> on those two pages, it's exactly what I need to look at in order to say, OK, not eligible for this, eligible for this. And, and it's quick. Even my staff now can look at that and say, OK this is a business visa or no visa at all. And so it's It's almost like putting a pair of specific glasses on. Correct. When you see, you look at the page with the glasses on, you're like, you can hone in on your, on your strategy. Right. Right. Yes. And uh, it's, it works out perfect. Even with the business visas, two pages, I I will find out what it is that they need and we move faster that way. Um, So it works out. Cool. Yeah. So that's like, that's one of the keys is, is the, the efficiency. And I guess, you know, as, as you get older, less is better, you know, you write less, that's, you know, get to the point. Even my briefs, they're five pages to 15 pages max. Get to the point. I I think Um, I, I, I heard somewhere and I've heard it from a few different sources where it said, you know, if, if, if I sent you a two page letter, but if I had if I had had more time, I would have gotten it down to one page. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tell me, get to the point, get to the specific sort of like when kids ask you, Mom, can I have this get to the point? What do you need? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Time's a wasting. <laughs> so yeah, we um, but it's an enjoyable job. I mean, I really enjoy practicing immigration. I don't think I could practice anything else. I've I've looked into other things and I just, you know, it's yeah, some people niche. Yeah. Some people fit exactly where they're supposed to be. And um, it's, it's great. I've enjoyed it in these, all these years at some point, you know, it's um, it became becomes routine. So it's nice that these administrations come in and, you know, set you on fire and set you on your feet <laughs> for, for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it, Tell us a little bit about, you know, the uh, green card. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that a green card is is something that that is like this mythical thing that that you get. But you know, what does it entitle you? What does it mean? What it, what can you do if you have a green card, and what can't you do? Mm. So the reason it's called a green card, interestingly enough, back in the fifties and sixties, it was actually a green card, and when. Um, they started during the Eisenhower and the workers would come here, they would get a uh, bland brownish card, but those who had a green card, 
they could stay in the United States forever. Thus, that's where it got its name, the green card. If you got the green card, you were not, you know, just a visitor. You were a member of the club, you know, like the American Express. Right. Um, so that's kind of where it got its, its uh, name back in the 60s and 50s with the uh, workers that came through. And it was little if any paperwork during that time you could just a uh, bracero that's what they were called the workers that would come and do labor in the fields in the united states um and now there's two ways remember i said the business and the family side so on the business side you have to be a worker and hold a worker visa or be an investor like a million dollar investor where eventually you get to that green card uh, and that's a legal permanent resident. And most countries have residency in their in their uh, country if you invest a lot of time or you have a relative. If you have a parent who is a U.S. citizen or a legal permanent resident with their green card, uh, there's certain requirements that you can meet as a child to be able to get that green card. Or if you marry someone who's a U.S. citizen, you get to that green card very fast, which opens the door to a lot of fraudulent marriage mm. uh, schemes that go and happen in, in the country. But once you get that green card, it's like winning the lottery for a lot of people. Um, why? Because you are one step closer to becoming a US citizen. But here's what it gives you. It gives you the ability to work and live in the United States. You pay taxes. You can stay and live in the United States all year. Uh, and it gives you a quiet, I guess, comfort. A lot of people are still with their green cards from the uh, amnesty program because they don't want to learn English or they're afraid to pass the exam or they just never got around to it. But when you hold a green card, here's what it can also cause. It can cause people to get deported because if you get accused of a crime, it puts you immediately in deportation proceedings, immediately. Uh, and then you have to, it's like, you know, you're innocent until you're not or proven otherwise. With a green card, if you're accused of a felony crime, you're guilty until you're proven innocent. Um, if you leave the country for more than 180 days out of the year, you relinquish your green card. So you have to live in the United States for minimum six months, 180 days. Uh, you cannot vote. Uh, you're restricted on who you can apply for in next in line for family. Um, there is question about uh, whether or not you can, if you do have crimes with your green card, whether it's a DUI, DWI, or a petty shoplifting, it questions your moral character so that you can never apply for US citizenship. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that you are restricted with your green card, but it's also the coveted green card because again, it's one step away from citizenship where everyone wants to be. My so. grandfather, um, he became a US citizen uh, by, um, helping out the U.S. Army. 
Yeah. And he was uh-huh. in Monterrey. Um, and of course he gained his citizenship. And because he was a citizen, my my mother and all of her family that was born in Monterrey were citizens upon birth. Uh-huh. Um, is that does that happen anymore? Is that a time of 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 the you know old ages? I mean, because you mentioned either you know work or family, but is that is there any recent mm-hmm. time that that's been revived again? So what your grandfather had or um, was what's called derivative citizenship, mm-hmm. meaning because he had it, it passed on to the family and so so it has changed along the way um i think he got it because he was he he served in in the in the army and right. and as a result of serving in the army and uh making it out uh the other end he he yeah. was given citizenship yeah no you know we tried to do that or or it was attempted with the daca the dreamers the young dreamers mm-hmm. who joined the military and many of them were not even given the green card. They were told mm, that was a mistake. Memos came out and it was a mess. Uh, derivative citizenship, we have a very famous senator who uh, was born in Canada, but was able to run for senator and US president. And there was a question of what, if he's born in Canada, what makes him a citizen? Mm, very interesting question. Well, the law at that time when he was born said, if your mother uh, is a U.S. citizen and you're born out of wedlock, you are a U.S. citizen. But if both his parents, if they had been married, he would not have been a U.S. citizen. So it's a minor detail that... um, the laws have for derivative citizenship and they protect unwed mothers more than they did, you know, a couple, a married couple. And now if, it, let's say an undocumented or an immigrant gets married to a U.S. citizen, the child in, may or may not have citizenship depending on whether they were married, whether they applied, whether it's just factors that you it's like a little roadmap you have to build but if it's an unwed u.s citizen mom the child is a u.s citizen interesting huh um it's almost like immigration doesn't uh condone marriage (laughs) because it's you don't get a lot of benefits if you're married you have to go try extra hard to prove that you're a u.s citizen born um to unwed parents crazy we got to change that. It's a little antiquated. Yeah. 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 Is anybody, uh, I mean, are you bending anybody's ear? What are we, if, if it's something that needs to be changed, who, how does that get changed? Sure. I mean, those are good. That's a really good question. There are a, a couple of things that I almost promote couples from getting married. For example, if a green card holder mother Uh, got her residency through her father. She she has to stay unmarried if her visa is not available. Let's say someone from Mexico. The father who is 30 something applies, the child is 17, but their visa is not available. They go into their 20s, the visa is not available because it takes 20 years or so to get there. Uh, she doesn't get married because if she gets married, she loses that application. She meets someone, lives with them, have children, but they still can't get married because her visa is not available. 
And so it, it just goes down to if you get married and you have your green card through your uh, green card holder parent, you lose your line, your place in line. So it's better to stay unwed and just live yeah. with someone. Yeah. So it promotes these awful uh, habits that now uh, have become the norm. The other thing is we um, give green cards. We give merits to people who can show us that their undue hardship requires that they get their green card. For example, if a U.S. citizen gets married to someone and they want to sponsor them and they're overseas and they need a waiver sometimes, you have to show that you're in the bad circumstance in order to get that waiver, to get that green card, and you almost become dependent on the U.S. government coming into the United States. Right? So it's promoting this awful system of hardship and you know, having a low threshold of merit instead of rewarding them because they want to go to school, they have a job, things of that sort that they can contribute to the economy, we reward them for being in the worst possible situation, which is sending an awful message yeah. about immigration. And, and so it's a big, I guess it's, 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 it's a reverse bell curve. Yes. It's, it's the, the people who are on the, who, who are, uh, you know, in need are promoted to stay in need Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll let you in. Or if you have a million bucks, we'll let you in and, and we'll get you to your green card faster. Correct. But the people in between who are the ones that, that in, in all reality are going to be doing the, the, the jobs that, that we need that are, that our, our, our people aren't wanting to do Absolutely. The, the working in the hotels, the, the truck driving. I know mm -hmm. truck drivers, the average age right now is, is over 50. So we're, you know, we're, we're, yeah. we're those people are going to age out at some point if we don't get more young people. And so Correct. that's where we got to fill in the blanks. Medicine, same thing. We, we have a lot yeah. of foreign uh, nurses and doctors. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, unless you have those things, if somebody just wants to come in and say, hey, look, I want to I want to bootstrap myself and, and start a business. And but I don't have a million dollars to start a business. Uh, mm -hmm. That's why I'm coming here to because I can uh, there's a right. line of opportunity. You know, there's not an opportunity unless you're unless you're dependent on the government. And, Correct. And, and then the opportunities you have to stay dependent are all illegal because Correct. you either you're either hiding your income or you're doing things that are illegal and which income isn't going to isn't something you can easily declare. Correct. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's and, and I often tell my clients this and, and I have a radio show here in Houston where I tell them, look, you are not criminal. So if you stop thinking that way you'll stop getting in that circle of criminality. Start to think of yourselves as investors. You've come into the country, you've bought a house, a truck, you've started a business, you have a job, you've put your kids through school, you pay taxes, you're investing. So protect that investment and you know, get legal, do it, find some way. But when they constantly hear, oh, they're criminals because they came here illegal, mm -hmm. they stay in that mindset yeah. and they become like living in the shadows mm -hmm. or living in underground doing criminal activity. So I thought for a while, 
the mentality changed in a lot of people's minds because they were investors. At first, they thought it was funny. It's like, yeah, yeah, I don't have a million dollars. But if you really look at what they spend in this country, they're investors. Mm -hmm. Let's do it right. You know, let's create a system that gives you a work visa and puts you to work where you pay taxes, just mm -hmm. like everyone else. Yeah. And there's a sense of dignity and pride people mm -hmm. start to get. Yeah. So, What's yeah. your radio show called? We we used to uh, be on a station called La Ranchera. We've now switched to uh, 94.7 on Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. here in Houston. And um, we it's called El Norte. Okay. So we, uh, again, and when I started doing the uh, citizenship uh, drive, it was to promote people to become citizens because there were so many people who were not citizens. And in Texas alone, 150,000 people were green card holders, just sitting by the fence watching, you know, the tumbleweed go by. And so we began this campaign to, you know, be either be part of America or you're going to lose that opportunity. And, um, and and the, so, the sad part is is you know you you're you're still at, at at such high risk that you just need one one little mishap exactly and and it doesn't, they don't even have to prove that you're guilty it could Correct. be that they pull you over and they make you do a field sobriety test and you've been you've been driving for for a long time and you're tired and you're maybe you're a little older and your balance isn't quite as Correct. well or, or you're out of shape and you you failed the field sobriety test yeah uh, and they've got you on video well now all of a sudden you're on the deportation train and it could be that you know you get exonerated but yeah. now you've now you've got two criminal cases that you're fighting you've got the deportation and then you've got the the DUI yeah and you know and i tell uh resident holders be very careful because there's state law and federal law i have this one case that stays in my mind now five years later this green card holder great family man five daughters wife he worked at a refinery uh one day he barters with a friend of his the friend gives him a uh, tv for some woodwork he did well, he decides he doesn't need a TV. He takes it to the pawn shop. Lo and behold, the TV's stolen. Oh, no. He gets arrested, and they give him probation. He's off. So he's got a green card, and he goes and applies for citizenship. Two, three lawyers later, and then me, the wife comes to me and says, why did they come knock on our door and take my husband? Mm -hmm. uh, well, in federal law, Receipt of stolen property is an aggravated felony. Um, and they took his green card away. We had to readjust him with the wife. Um, very simple thing that gets overlooked. Even the judge was like, what's going on here? But if you read the regs, aggravated felony. So we adjusted him. And even the judge told him when we, it was like a big, it was the shortest trial I've ever had. It was 10 minutes. Uh, we were able to offer all this evidence and the judge right away granted it. But he told him, in five years, become a citizen. Unfortunately, when you apply for citizenship, if you have an aggravated felony, you will never, ever become a citizen. And uh, even with the waiver that uh, it was just so sad. And 
simple things like that that really change your life. Wow. Um, just a television. No, yeah, and he had no intention. There was no, who would have even thought about Exactly, that? exactly. So one little course and uh, he will stay a resident forever and, and he, he can't get they clearance. Have be, they have to be very, more on top of everything. Correct, they yes. They have to be extremely sharp. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Little things like that that really change the course of people's lives. All right. Well, as we get closer to the end of our, our, our time, Linda, one of the mm -hmm. things that we like to, to look at is um, different, um, gosh, the word just dropped out of my head, Kat. What, what, what Core value. Core values. <laughs> yes. I have, I have my extra brain here. So, um, so we, we always want to cover our core values. Uh, uh -huh. Uh, that that our, our that our guests have, and so what what core value would you would you would you share with us today? Hmm. Core value with respect to life, with respect to what we just talked about, kind of in respect to you know a value that maybe you uh, use when you um, make you know, any hire a team member. Yeah, it's something that you set you set up when you need to make a decision, and mm -hmm. you 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 you. You put it, you place it on your core value and it helps you make a decision. Um, I think something that you touched on, Michael, I always return phone calls because it's the integrity of someone's mm -hmm. reputation, someone's attention. Even if it's just a friend, return that phone call, return that text. It shows respect. It shows you care. It shows that you are really engaged with that individual, even if you've met them once, uh, somehow it gives that person the importance. And usually when I answer the phone, I say, hey, how are you? People say, oh my goodness, you, you sound like you're so glad to hear from me. I am. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that, that part of the integrity of follow through with things. Mm -hmm. It really uh, gives you self-respect, uh, following through and, and gaining that other person's respect more importantly. Yeah. So I guess, I and guess I, that would be my core value. That's a great core value. And, you know, uh, what do you say? I'm happy to hear from you. Yes. Because, uh, I don't have to chase you down. Yes. <laughs> yeah. you, you called me, I called you, we're returning calls where it's all good. Yeah. yeah it's and, and even if your schedule's busy, like, you know, I know, uh, Michael and I, play phone tags sometimes, but at least we're trying yes. and, and we're trying to re and, reach And I think other. that, that we could, we could expand that. And that's, that's been my experience with you is, is integrity and integrity is you, you do what you say, uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to, oh yes, blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm giving you lip service, but in the meantime, I have no intention of doing whatever I just told you that I was going to do. Yeah. And, and so, so, you know, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk, uh, that's, that's such a great core value in, 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 in everything you do in life. Exactly. It, it, not it just, not into, just in business. Exactly. Yeah. It seeps into other areas of your life. Yeah. So, so if you, if you don't follow through, it shows. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Linda. And thank you guys so much. Yeah. And how do we, how does someone get a hold of you? And of course we'll put that in the description and also your radio show. Yeah. So uh, we have our website, the Vega law firm. Uh, I'm in Houston. Look me up, Linda Vega. I'm easy to find in Houston. 
Uh, they can call our office. Can I give my phone number? Yes. Sure. Okay, 713-784-5252. And, and we'll, put schedule a link. A, we'll put it in we'll put it in the in the description below. Great. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you guys so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Linda. Again, thank you very much for 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 uh, watching or listening. However, you're you're experiencing the solution point. Um, if you haven't already, go ahead and hit subscribe, uh, like, and uh, give us some good feedback. And thank you. And we'll be seeing you and talking to you next time. Bye, everybody.